Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find so us on the web at revivallife.church. Our lead pastor, Come Pastor on. Carl Thomas. Come on, that's me. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's declare what we believe nice and loud, shall we? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and come on. He ascended to heaven. Come on. Seated at the right hand of the Father. He'll come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. 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 Give somebody a hug. Before you sit down, I have a pretty cool announcement for me personally. My son is 21 today. Come here, Isaac. Come here. Come on up here if you would, please. Real quick. Real quick. Come on up here. Come on up here real quick. Come here. I'm not going to get teared up, I promise. Um, He does not like being on stage. He's 21. I love this kid so much. He is such a blessing to my family. Uh, He was late this morning because he was taking care of the neighbor's dogs and cats. And uh, I just love him. And I just bless you today, Isaac. And I just declare an amazing birthday today. So proud of you. So proud of you. We love you. We love you. We love you. No speech. Just sit down. That's it. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. He would. He would tell jokes and stuff. But uh, you can have a seat. Tell somebody you love them. Tell them you picked the right church. Man, to all of you online who are traveling today, we almost want to cut off the cameras to make you come to church. Uh, but, but we know people travel, and that is the world we are in today. We're going to continue our Luke message series. Uh, you know, the global church starts what's called Advent today. This is the beginning of the Advent season. And the church, uh, the world over, uh, follows what's called the liturgical calendar. And that's a calendar where they celebrate different seasons of the church year. The whole world comes together. Uh, So uh, last Sunday was the last Sunday, what they call after Pentecost. Today would be the first uh, Sunday of Advent where we, it's a four-week period where we are preparing to celebrate the birth of our Savior, which is worthy of being celebrated. Amen? Amen. And uh, we we, want to kind of, I have a... um, I'm in an interesting phase of life. Have you ever felt the seasons of life change? Have you ever felt like um, what worked last week or last year is not working now? Have you ever felt like you knew where you were going and you had a direction and you had it all figured out and then something happened? You don't even know what it is, but something happened and you're like, that's not working anymore. Like the direction the direction is not working anymore. The, the life goal, the vision, you thought you had it figured out, and then you wonder, do I have anything figured out? Like, like I don't know if you've ever been through that kind of experience in your life, but I have. I have a couple times. And, um, and, and the world wants to give you lots of answers uh, for what that is, but most of them aren't true. It's people mostly, and, and, and forgive my skepticism, but most of the people who want to give you answers for your lives want to make money off of you, right? Like they happen to have a product to sell you. They happen to have a, a formula, like a simple formula, or, 
or, or they just want to make you a clone of them. Like they just want to clone you. And, uh, uh, and, and, and I, 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 I being an Enneagram 8, uh, it's not in my nature to be a clone, right? It's not in my nature to just blindly follow people, uh, uh, my, my, um, my strength finders, my, my dominant strength is learner. Number two is activator. So I like to figure stuff out and I like to teach it to people, right? So, so I'm, not, I'm not real apt to just blindly follow. And so it leads me into this conundrum that I get into uh, every, every handful of years. Uh, like, like what's, what's going on? What, what's, like I need, a, I need a deeper purpose behind the things that I'm doing. I can't do stuff just because it's what you do. Have you ever felt that way? Have you, have you, have you experienced that in your life? You know, they say that people, once you reach adulthood, you kind of reinvent yourself every seven years. That's what they said. And so if you get to a place in life and you're like, where am I? I'm lost. Don't, don't, don't fall into a pit. That's part of the human cycle of life. It's no coincidence that in the Bible, uh, when God started telling Adam and Eve how to plot out the week, that it's every seven days you start over, right? And so every seven years, you kind of have to reassess what's happening. And don't be scared of that. Don't be scared of the questions like, where am I going? What am I doing? What is the purpose? Is what I'm doing now what I'm supposed to be doing? Those, those are good questions to be asking. However, when you're asking those questions, be very careful who you let in your circle to answer that question. It's very important that you have the right people in that circle to answer those questions because if you have people with ulterior motives they will answer those questions in a way that benefits them more than you this is this is super important and this is why when we study the ministry of jesus time and again he's pointing his followers to the father he's pointing his followers to the spirit who will help guide them into all truth this is why the apostles said, listen, man, you, you, you say you have all these fathers, but no, you, 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 don't need, you don't need these men as much as you need God. What, what, what you need is not a million people teaching you, but just a couple people who know the Father who can guide you in the way of truth so you can understand why you are on this planet, what the purpose of your life is. Now, chances are the big P purpose of your life is not really going to change that much over the course of your life, but how you accomplish it will, right? The, 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 the mission never changes. The methods can change all the time. When we look at the gospel, we look at the work of the church, the mission never changes. We are here to connect people to God so that he can come into their lives, give them purpose, bring liberty, bring freedom, bring joy, bring happiness. How we do that can change. Holy Spirit in one season is correcting you. Holy Spirit in another season is comforting you. The method changes, but the mission never changes. But we get into these seasons where we feel unsure and we're like, what is the point of what's, what is going on here? Now, as we look at the life of Jesus and as we're working our way through the book of Luke, here we are in Luke chapter 10 today. And as we spoke about last week, uh, Jesus, you know, he, he, he's shifting on some people. And uh, he's, he's, he's shifting the method a little bit here because there's a new season of ministry happening. And, and, and the Lord has been talking to me. And uh, I have been asking him difficult questions. Well, they're difficult for me. They're not hard for him at all. They're, they're not hard for God at all. 
God knew the questions before I asked them. He knew the answers to questions I should have been asking, right? And, uh, and, and, and I don't want you to be afraid to ask God hard questions. I also don't want you to be afraid of God telling you it's a dumb question. Let me give you the answer to the question you should have been asking. Can you say amen? Because what we want is truth. Let me say it again. What you want in your life is truth. Now, what we desire is comfort. But what we need is truth. Right? I don't need somebody convincing me that, that my pain is okay. But what I need is the truth about why I'm in pain. Amen. Amen. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't need conspiracy theories. Uh, it's funny, in my house, uh, my, in my family, I had Thanksgiving with my extended family, or not my extended family, my mom and my sisters and, and uh, the nieces, and uh, my nephew wasn't there, but the extended family was there. And both of my sisters, my older sister, my younger sister, are both registered nurses. Um, and so they have very strong opinions on medicine because they went to college for it. And so we had very interesting conversations uh, about people that they have in the hospital who have come to their own conclusions about medicine who didn't actually study medicine. And, but these people want comfort. They don't actually want truth. What they want is to be reaffirmed in what they've already decided is their problem. But if you already know what your problem is, why would you go to the hospital, right? Uh, but we go to the hospital because we can't fix it. We need somebody who actually went to college for this thing to help us fix it, right? If you are broke week after week after year after month after like all, you're like you, you, you have to come to the place where you say, I don't know how to fix my financial issues. I need to bring somebody in who knows. Not somebody who's, you know, scratching lotto tickets. We need somebody who's figured this thing out. To come teach us how to do this. Are you, are you with me? Preached the gospel for a long time and I decided it was time for me to get some more advanced degrees so I can learn from people who've done this their whole life so we can figure this out a little deeper and come up with some better answers. Are you following me here? We have to be teachable. Can you say amen? We have to be teachable. And to be teachable, you have to actually be humble enough to know you need to learn. And what we find in the church today is a redemption ridiculous lack of humility to say, I do not know everything. What we're seeing, and I don't want to be accusatory because I love the bride of Christ, but what we're seeing in this generation is a Christless Christianity beginning to grow greater and greater. We use the words of Christ as, as a means to get what we want. We find out what we want. We want happiness, or we want sex, or we want money or we want fame and then we search the words of Jesus for something that we think we can stuff into our desires as a way to get it and so we have churches and church services that focus on getting people what they want it's a consumer mentality it's a Walmart Christianity that says we're going to figure out what you want and we're going to figure out the easiest way to get it to you and, and, and as we look at at Luke, as, 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 and I'm just talking to you like family today, since it's kind of a family meeting today. I'm just letting you know where I'm going and where we're going. Are you with me here? I want you to just have your heart open right now. When, uh, uh, when, 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 when we're reading the scriptures, and as we've preached all the way, and we've taught all the way through Luke chapter 9, at the end of Luke chapter 9, Jesus, he set some, some disciples in place, and once they became disciples, he started giving them some hard truths. 
He started telling them what it meant to be a disciple. He started talking about the things you may have to give up to be a follower of Jesus. Now, today, people don't want to give up anything, and they want to get everything. I don't want to go to school. I just want to know everything. I don't want to have to actually invest. I just want to reap. I don't want to have to sow. I just want to harvest, right? And there's people who will convince you that's possible, and the Bible tells us whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. And if we sow laziness, what we get is stupidity. Are you with me? Right? So, so hear me. What, what we find is Jesus began telling people, okay, you liked what I was doing. You liked me coming against Rome. You liked me rebuking the elders of the religious church. You love that. But now I'm going to start telling you what it takes to be a follower of God. This is what it's actually going to take to be a disciple. And at the end of chapter 9, he starts talking about discipleship, about if you're going to be a disciple, things are going to get uncomfortable. You're going to have to make some choices. Life may not always be fun, but in the end, you're going to have the truth. Amen. All right, so follow along here. So, so here we are. We're in Luke chapter 10. There was the transfiguration. He starts talking about the cross, that we have to take up our cross. He's moving now toward Jerusalem. He's starting on this trek toward Jerusalem, toward his cross, <clears throat> toward the crucifixion, and eventually his resurrection and the sending of the Spirit. Luke chapter 10, verse 1, says, Now after this, <clears throat> the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, therefore beseech the Lord. It means pray, cry out. To the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. <clears throat> Got a lot going on here. This is Jesus now teaching people how to be disciples. And this is what we want. We want to be discipled. We want people to teach us what in the world are we here for? What is the goal of this life? And how do we hear and know God? This is what we're about. This is what the church of Jesus Christ is about. It's about teaching people how to hear and know God. It's, it's not a country club. It, it, it churches, what happens with church movements in America is they get started in revival. And the fire of God gets flamed and people's lives get completely changed. And they begin to have a, a common community of people who follow after God. And then this community of people begins to do things together. And then, and then, and then they start to live life together. And then all of a sudden, the fire isn't as important. The community becomes more important. What we do becomes more important. Our social programs become more important. Our, our, our fellowship becomes more important. And then what you're left with is a club. You have a dead religious club with a cross on the top, but no resurrected Jesus in the building. And so all of a sudden, it's not about the gospel. It's not about the truth. It's not about transformed lives. It's about how can my life become more comfortable. And anybody who comes along and shakes up the world a little bit and says, hey, maybe, maybe God has a little bit more for us. Maybe there's still a cross to bear. Maybe there's still growth. Maybe there's still education. Maybe there's still service. Maybe he's still commissioning us to get uncomfortable and do something else. All of a sudden becomes a threat to their little club. 
And this is what's happening to the major denominations in America. And you've seen it happen to small churches and big churches alike. When the club becomes more important than the gospel that was formed around the club, your church is going to die. It's going to die. Can you say amen? Because Jesus is not anointing social clubs. He's anointing the church of Jesus Christ. That is what holds the anointing. That is the house of his spirit. This is where lives are changed. Jesus came to set the captives free from oppression. And then we find ourselves in a club with a crossless Christianity where you don't have to suffer or give anything up. All of a sudden, we're no longer followers of Christ. We're just another civic group. And let me just be honest, there's other civic groups that do civic group better because it's not what we're made for. We are made for something. <clears throat> but he tells them right at the beginning of their discipleship. He sends them out and he says, go. Go. The harvest is plentiful. Beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. Workers, servants. You see, the heart of Christianity is serving other people. The heart of Christianity is to be a servant, to serve in the house of God, to serve outside the house of God. People come in, uh, in, in, and they want to brag about their spirituality. They want to brag about the signs and wonders. And, and we, we say, man, that's, 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 that's awesome. If you're that spiritual, then you probably understand we need you to hold open a door, hold a baby. That's, that's, that's how you could be spiritual in the house of God. Then all of a sudden, if you're not getting the glory, all of a sudden it's not as important. But Jesus Christ first called us to be humble servants as he himself was a humble servant. God calls us to serve the body, to serve our believers, and hear me, serve the world. He's not called us to judge the world at all. He's not called us to be their judge. He's not called us to correct them and, 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 and slander them. He's actually called us to correct the church. He told us in 1 Corinthians, he's like, listen, listen, I, I, I told you to stay away from evil people, but I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about Christians who say they're Christian, but don't act like Christ is the head of the church who think they get to do whatever they want to do. He said, the world, they act like the world because they are the world. Love them. Get around them. Smell like them. Get all up in their lives like because we are the salt. But when it comes to the church, oh, no, 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 no. You call them out. When it comes to the church, you make sure you let them know you have departed from the gospel. When it comes to the church, no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't even have a meal with them, he says. I'm not talking about the world. You better be having meals with the world. You better be serving the world. But in the house of God, I'm expecting you all to behave different. And see, so we're getting the church of Jesus Christ is getting so much flack from the world because the world knows we're not policing ourselves. The world knows we just let the church get away with whatever, and instead we just judge the world because that's easier. It's easier to be self-righteous with people who are <clears throat> stumbling in the world because they haven't been shown the way, haven't been served by the people who are supposed to be serving them. Is this making sense? Is this landing at all? <clears throat> Verse 4, carry no money belt, no shoes, greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. 
If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking for what they give you. For the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not move from house to house. Now I want you to see this. First thing Jesus told his disciples was, you need to get to work. If you're a follower of Christ, you're not just a pew warmer. You're not just someone who comes to church when they feel like coming to church and they sit in the chair and then they let everybody serve them. If you are a disciple of Christ, you actually are part of the mission of the church. You show up, you serve, you help people, you do things, right? Second thing he says is when you go out to the city, first thing you do when you find someone who's not a follower, you bless them. The first thing you do, whenever house you enter, say peace to this house. See, we carry the peace of God. And where we go, peace should increase. And we should be going places that need peace so that we can impart this grace of God upon that land. But he has a very specific instruction here that, that may be kind of confused if you don't understand the concept. He says, verse 7, stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you for the labor is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Two things here. <clears throat> Number one, God has designed it. He has designed it for those who preach the gospel to be supported by the gospel. It's all throughout scripture. Number one, when you're on the mission field, Americans have kind of made missions as a, as a, as a kind of a holy tourism trap, right? Like, like we go and we have a sanctified vacation uh, where we say we're doing stuff. We spend lots of money. We go places. We come back feeling good about ourselves, right? It's, 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 like, a, it's like a camp, but it's a little different, right? And we do lots of great stuff on it, but we also rob the mission field by not having them so into the missionaries who go there. That's not popular. I'm going to say it again. We rob the mission field because we don't have them so into the missionaries that go there. We're to receive those who preach the gospel. But in America, we somehow pay for an opportunity to preach. And then we wonder why the place isn't transformed. It's because that's not how it was designed by Jesus Christ. We go there, they support the person preaching the gospel, and in return for their financial gift, you receive this grace of God. Somehow there's this exchange. I give to you what's important to me. You give to me what's important to you. And there's a mutuality in it that we are both increased spiritually and in the natural. The people I know have had some of the most uh, impactful missionary experiences. They go on faith not knowing how they're going to eat. And they show up and the food shows up and everybody's blessed. I, I hope you're hearing me here. There's something about this requiring faith to be involved. But there's a second part of it. You see, since, since Jesus understood that these missionaries were going to go out in faith, he says, you're going to go into a house and they're going to feed you. And you're going to stay there. Why? Why would he tell them you're going to stay there? Not just because like, hey, I want you to suffer bad cooking, right? I got some, I got some eating issues. I don't know if you know about me. I got a fairly narrow palate. Not a lot of stuff I like to eat. My wife and I went uh, to dinner somewhere. Where were we? Where? Okay, good. I want to make sure there wasn't nobody here. So we went to, um, we went out to, we went to some uh, get-together, and every single thing they served was something I would never eat, right? Like, and there's lots of stuff I wouldn't eat, and they've managed to find all those things and serve them for dinner. And it was like, do you want some of this? I was like, eh. 
or you can have that. I'm like, no. I'm like, eight before I got here, do you have any more of these nacho chips? Let me just go in on this right here, right? And my daughter's a little picky. She's not as picky as me in some areas, but I know that she didn't like any of the stuff that was serving. So I was like, hey, we were going to bring you a plate home. Do you want some of this nastiness or do you want some of this awfulness, right? And, uh, and, and I mean, and hear me, the food I heard was great. I heard the food was very good. My wife said it was very good. To me, it was all defiled, right? Like I didn't want any of it. And so um, this is not what he was talking about. This is not what the scripture is talking about. Like, if you're picky, eat it anyways, right? I have been on mission fields. I've been on mission trips where they served awful food, and uh, we had um, taken the scripture to mean no matter what they serve you, you have to eat it. And uh, this is, this is, this is, this is going to be a joke. You're going to have to follow with me on this one. My, my first time I went to Nicaragua, I had been saved less than a year. We went out there. We had no idea where we were staying, had no idea where we were going to eat, had just nothing. We were just like, we know a friend who's having a crusade. Let's just go, right? And so we fly into Managua, hoping somebody was going to pick us up. And we're there calling frantically when we got to Managua. Now, this was right after Iran-Contra. You know, there were still soldiers everywhere. There was still machine gun nests everywhere. We had nowhere to eat. Like, we didn't know where we were going to sleep. And uh, God met us there. And so this, I don't know why they did this. So there's uh, this family that we wound up staying with. They're like, hey, what do you want for breakfast? We're like... I don't know, just normal breakfast, right? And they're like, you guys like, Americans like bacon, right? We're like, we love bacon. They're like, oh, we'll get bacon. And you want some eggs? We're like, love eggs. That would be wonderful. And they're like, would you like some, I don't remember, like potatoes? or Absolutely. Like, we're blessed and highly favored. This is great, right? So the next morning, we wake up, and there's refried beans and a block of white cheese. And I'm like, which of this is the bacon? <laughs> Which of this is the hash browns? I don't understand. And uh, I don't like queso blanco. You know, you know what that is? It's like this dry, white, terrible uh, cheese that's like rejected everywhere in the world, apparently, except for Nicaragua. And some, uh, any Nicaraguans, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm, I have a very narrow palate. Uh, and, so, and so my friend Matt uh, was with us. It was Matt and then a couple other friends. And um, uh, he, he, he had this very strange dietary issue that he can't really eat cheese to begin with. And this cheese tasted a little bit like vomit. And so, like a, a, and, so, and so I managed somehow to put the majority of this in my stomach or a pocket, right? Like, so it was off the plate. Like, uh, like I, 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 I finished it. I felt so good. And then the dude was so happy that we ate. And he's like, do you guys want any more? I'm like, ooh, I'm so full. But Matt liked the cheese. And so he puts another block of the white cheese on Matt's plate. And Matt, Matt wanted to kill somebody, but, but we felt like, well, we got to eat it because, you know, we got to eat what's placed before. That, that, that's not what this scripture is teaching, believe it or not. What, 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 the, what Jesus is teaching is he's like, listen, you're going to show up in this city and you're going to declare peace. And someone's going to value that word that you bring and they're going to bring you into their house, right? Once they bring you into their house, that house is going to start getting blessed, when they receive this message into their house, when they receive you, hear me, blood-bought child of God, when they receive you into their house, that house is about to get blessed. And other people are going to see that blessing on that house, and some richer people are going to be smart enough to say, why don't you come on to my house, because I could use some of that blessing. You see, rich people know how to invest in things that are prosperous. 
I hope you all are hearing me right now. They know how to invest. And so they're going to say, hey, preacher, I know you had that little church over there, but I see how it's been blessed. Why don't you come on over here and create a bigger one, and then we'll all get more blessing. And Jesus like, it's going to be tempting for you to serve the rich, but I want you to stay put with those who blessed you in the beginning. Here's, hear me. I want you to stay put because they received your message, and I'm going to bless them because of it. Uh, you're going to be tempted to run off don't run off. You stay put, and you both are going to prosper there. Do you hear what I'm saying? Don't be looking over, oh, if only I jump over to that. Only if I run over to there. If only, oh, if I went there, God could bless me. No, no, God's going to bless you where they received you in the beginning. There is something on your life. I feel like I'm prophesying, prophesying to a handful of people right now. There is something on your life that is a blessing and the temptation the temptation that thing that the enemy will tempt you with is that you would move on from the gospel to something else you see as soon as you do that you've moved on from the gospel to what the gospel can get you jesus like listen the Spirit of God is going to be upon you. Now we got the Holy Ghost moving. He put, the, he put the Spirit on them so they could go and do signs and wonders. And he's like, now listen, this thing I've given you, the world's going to want. And, and, and the world is going to tempt you to use it for your own good. Don't let them. He knew you'd become a Christless church. You, you become a, an assembly with no gospel, with no cross, with no, 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 no sacrifice. We sang that song this morning. I was so blessed by it. Like, man, if I got to be crucified with you, that means I'll be resurrected. I'm good to go. That means I die with you, that it is what it is. I'm following you, Jesus. That is the church of the Bible. The Christless church says you're never going to have to suffer. Life's never going to be difficult. And if you're suffering from some depression or some anxiety, you're broken. There's, there's just a, you're hopeless. You're not getting it because everybody's happy. Everybody's successful. Everybody's prospering. Everybody's got everything great going on. And if you don't have that, clearly there's something wrong with you. And I'm here to let you know, Jesus Christ died on the cross and sent the Spirit because you were going to need more than what you can bring to the table. You, like None of us are enough. And we all suffer seasons of depression and anxiety. It is what it is. But God is here with us. We cannot move on from the gospel. We can't move on to something that we think is going to be more pleasing or it's going to be more palatable or easier to understand and we'll get to the gospel later. It's got to be the center. It's got to be the center. As we're rediscovering what our purpose is in new seasons, we have to understand that Jesus Christ has to be the center. 2022 is coming and as Duke said, some people are setting resolutions and and I just feel at this beginning of the Advent season, as Christ is being formed in some of us in the midst of this Advent season, it's important to keep him at the center. When a woman is pregnant and you see her smoking, you think, I don't feel like you should be smoking, right? Like we feel like we feel like probably probably shouldn't be out there doing these things when you're pregnant. And I think I saw Courtney. Hi, Courtney. Hope the baby's doing good. She's no online. She's not back there. She had a baby. She was on, online. Yeah, she'd be a superhero a week after having the baby to come to church. She'd be about that gospel life. We love you, Courtney. Hope things are good. Kiss the baby for us. Jacorian's here. Hey, he got a baby sister now. 
But as we're forming these, you know, these, these, these new 2022 goals, like, I, like my wife and I, we see, like you see a woman out doing crazy things pregnant. You're like, no, no, your priorities are supposed to change now. Amen. Like your priorities are supposed to change now. And so as Christ is being formed in you in this Advent series, in this Advent season, I want you to be aware, what is Christ trying to form on the inside of you? Are you nurturing it or are you choking it out? Like let's, let's, let's make sacrifices. Like women make, women, make, like women make sacrifices to create a human being. We don't celebrate that enough. We don't, we don't, that doesn't get enough uh, admiration and attention uh, in our country, the sacrifice that women make to have a child. Like it changes everything. But Christ is being formed in us, and it changes everything. <clears throat> Watch this. Verse 8. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. <clears throat> the kingdom of God has come near to you. Uh, my, my family, my family, I understand, since I am in it, is not normal. Right? I get that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, my kids are uh, grown. Uh, my daughter is 18. My son is now 21, uh, which is a little crazy. Um, but, but around the dinner table, we like to have purposeful conversations. We used to have dinner together every night, but now that my kids are, are, are grown and they're, they're still living at home, but we don't see them for large blocks of time. We have dinner together at the table yeah, three, four times a week maybe, I'd say. Between two and four, right? We don't, we don't get to eat together all the time, but when we do... Uh, we have interesting conversations now. Uh, we've always had conversations, but my daughter uh, would call it more like I would preach and they would listen. Like that, that's, that was how she categorized the conversations. Uh, now that I have two kids in college, I have an educated wife, of course, and uh, I'm still preaching. Um, pe- people, have, people have opinions. And so this last week we were having a conversation about, uh, we were having a, we, Conversations that we talk about frequently are things like uh, equality, we talk about feminism, we talk about theology, we talk about politics, we talk about stuff that my kids don't want to talk about at all, so it's just me talking and they're politely listening. Uh, But we had this uh, really interesting conversation uh, this last week on what my son called the psychology of happiness. Uh, One of his classes, he was studying the psychology uh, of happiness and um, um, whatever. Uh, We're... (laughs) <clears throat> Being the eight, I have now renamed it. Since I am a learner and an activator, I have now retermed it the psychology of happiness. <clears throat> and, um, and, and, and it was it was pretty interesting. I've been studying similar things, uh, but but he was going deep. And, and 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 as I studied this and as we thought about it and as we talked about it, and I have been listening to the Lord, you know, there's there's a difference between mental health and mental illness. I need you to hear this. Mental health does not mean you don't have mental illness. These are two different things with different scales. You can have good mental health while dealing with mental illness. Can you hear me? You can have the affliction of anxiety or depression, and, and so you have some mental illness that you're dealing with, but in the midst of that, you can, be, you can, you can also be practicing good mental, mental health. The absence of mental illness does not mean that you have mental health. It doesn't make mental health. Um, According to the Surgeon General uh, of our country, um, successful, like to have good mental 
health means you have successful mental function, fulfilling relationships, productive activities, uh, a capacity to adapt. And um, we talked at the end of the pandemic, if you remember, we talked about this malaise that fell over people. Do you remember this? We talked about how people, they weren't suffering, but they weren't flourishing. Do you remember that? Remember what we called it? We called it languishing. People were languishing in this season of, of purposefulness, like purposelessness. They just were languishing. They were just like, I had goals. My career was going somewhere. My ministry was going somewhere. Life was going somewhere. And now I'm not. I'm just living. And watch this, not sure why. Not depression, not anxiety, but not good mental health. Because they were not flourishing, so many people were languishing. And instead of um, bringing trusted voices into the conversations about, why am I not flourishing? People began allowing the enemy to speak into those conversations. And they started pointing at the very things that were designed to give them life. But now, because they had low energy, they seemed like too much work. Like maintaining healthy relationships. Like adaptivity, like, like, like productive activities. And so people began to just languish. You remember this? Remember this season? What they found about flourishing people is, when you take all these things together, flourishing people, and if you're taking notes, write this down, flourishing people have purpose. Flourishing people have purpose. And the people in this world are searching for purpose. Everybody's asking, you know, why am I here? How did I get here? Where am I going? That's a search for purpose. And we cannot discover that purpose without meeting the one who created us and gives us purpose. Now, 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 unhealthy parts of the church have so narrowly defined that it's chopped out people whose purpose is slightly different than their own. And so I'm not here with some sort of rigid evangelical uh, definition of, 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 of purpose because there is a wide array of purposes under the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Christ coming, dying for those who were afflicted, bringing liberty to the captive, bringing healing to those who are sick, bringing hope to those who are hopeless. This is part of the purpose of those who are followers of Jesus. Can you say amen? amen. This is part of why we're on the planet. And, 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 and without this, we'll never fully come into our purpose. And what Jesus now is doing as he shifts from his uh, ministry here in Galilee and he begins to march towards Jerusalem, he's giving purpose to his disciples. Listen, you thought that you were just going to come under some rabbi and then you're going to learn how to become rich and successful, but that is not a purpose. That is not a purpose in life. God did not create you just so you can make enough money to send off to Florida Power and Light 
and, and to sprint, come on somebody, and to pay your phone bill and to have a newer car. That is not what you were created for. You were not created just to have enough retirement so that you don't have to work until you die. That was not what you were created for. You were not created just so you can make some widget day in and day out and have enough food to eat and next week do the same thing. It's not what you were created for. You actually have a purpose and your purpose is divinely connected to God's purpose. And that is to bless people wherever you go. Whatever house you enter, when you release your peace, your peace comes upon that home. And you begin to change lives because the power of God is upon you to affect the circumstances that you are a part of. This is why the gospel has been preached. This is why Jesus Christ went to the cross. This is why the Spirit has been released after the resurrection so that you can bring the kingdom of God and the people's lives who are suffering from the ailments of this world. Can you say amen? amen? This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's good news. The kingdom has come. The kingdom has come. Let's say it together. The kingdom has come. Here's what he tells him, verse 10. Are you, are you okay? Am I doing all right right now? Come on. This is going to get on somebody's spirit. It's going, to, it's going to get on you. I just feel it like pollen. It's going to stick to you. And it's going to get something kind of fertile. And it's going to produce some fruit in your lives. Whatever city you enter, if they don't receive you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your city which clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Listen, even the people who don't want to hear it, when you preach the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God has come near to them. It's released upon them. Jesus sent them to preach the gospel. Jesus sent them to preach the gospel. And here, 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 here's something that I want you to get. The gospel is good news, not good advice. The gospel is good news. It's not good advice. You can become financially rich and spiritually poor. You could have a great marriage and still be bound for hell. You, I mean, you can, you, can, you, can, you can fake it till you make it, but when you make it, you still won't make it because you won't be fulfilled. And we got Christless Christianity that's preaching good advice, not the good news. The good news is that the kingdom of God has come. In the midst of our conversation that night as we're talking about psychology and we're talking about ministry and, and, and we're talking about church and we're, we're talking and, uh, and uh, my, kids, my kids grew up in my house. So like, like I said, they're a little skeptical uh, of all things religious. Um, they're skeptical because they see behind the scenes. Uh, if you can get a PK, a pastor's kid to go to church past 18, you have hit a grand slam home run because they have found... Uh, a way of expressing their faith that is not performance-based or fake. Or you'll find some miserable pastor's kids. That, that's just what you get. And so my children, by the grace of God, have gotten to meet Jesus, but don't feel like they have to perform just for church, which makes me super, super happy. And so one of my kids, I won't say which, but she was talking about... <clears throat> she was talking about this, you know, the, the difference between the gospel and Christianese. There, 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 there's a way that you can fake it in church. You know you can fake it in church. How you doing, brother? Blessed and highly favored. So good to see you. Oh, good to see you, sister so-and-so. Like you, you learn 
Like, like, like you join church and you learn a new language, Christianese. Right? There's a way you talk about things. You don't complain. You just you say it in a blessed way. Because when you weren't saved, you would say, man, I hate my job. And now you say, the Lord is testing me in my job. Right? But you're saying the same thing. You're saying the same thing. Like before you got saved, you're like, I could not stand that person. Next thing, you know, you get saved and you start saying, I'm just keeping that brother in prayer. I'm lifting him up. I'm just trying to pour into his life. Many of the afflictions of the righteous. You know, like we say these things. Christianese, like this can't be real. Like we got to, like, 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 like they teach people, like in, this is the kingdom of God being fake all the time. That is not the kingdom of God. That is not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is being real and saying, brother, brother, is Christ still central in your life? Like, I, I don't care if you can say all the words. Like, I don't, like, 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 like Duke read the, the, the Greek name. I don't care if you can read the Greek name or not. Are you nice to your wife and kids? Like, that's what I care about. Are you faithful to God when he puts a lost person in front of you and touches your heart and say, tell them about Jesus? Like, like, like are you faithful in your finances? Can people count on your word? Like, 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 when people trust you, should they trust you? Or are you gossiping behind their back for months? Like, this, this is the mark of a Christian. Not can you come and, you know, sing songs on stage. That, that, that's not the mark of Christianity. The mark of Christianity is, does your word mean something? When somebody asks you a question, do you lie or do you tell the truth? Amen. We don't need churchianity. What we need is Jesus Christ. We need, we, need, we need just to expect a little bit less of each other and expect a little bit more of Jesus. Show a little bit more grace to one another. Be able to have some issues. Ah, I won't go down that road too far. I'm, 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 I'm getting a little worked up right now. Are you with me? Give me two more minutes, all right? Can I get two minutes? Two minutes, two, four, six, eight. Good. I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Hear me. Mark talked about it this way. Mark chapter one. He says, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, behold, I'll send my messenger ahead to you who will prepare your way. Watch this. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. See, Jesus Christ in his word, that's got to be supreme in our lives. That, like, like when I'm uncomfortable, like when I want to gossip about people and tell people how poorly I was treated, I got to look at the word where it says don't gossip about folks. And in my heart, I got to believe that the words of Jesus are going to heal me more than my entering into sin. That's me being bound by the gospel. That's me calling him Lord. That's me calling him Lord. Like when I say, I don't really feel like, you know, going to church today, but the Bible says do not forsake the assembly together of the saints. And so I say, wait a minute, is he Lord over my life or have I just decided that I want some stuff and I'm using Jesus for what he can do for me? We got to make a decision. Is he Lord or is he not Lord? Is he Lord or is he not Lord? We got we to we gotta make this decision. Watch this. The gospel Romans chapter 1, for I am not ashamed of this good news, the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for it is, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. This is in the gospel. This isn't in, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I believe that we're supposed to be helping people. I believe that we're supposed to be stopping, like, like the, the weirdest thing that I, I believe, like, I think the... 
of all the strange things that have started in the last two years, Asian hate is kind of the weirdest one I've seen. Like, I've seen the lies. I understand when people lie for political gain. I get that. I get when people want to manipulate people for finances. I get that. Uh, but uh, a virus was discovered in China, and now we're going to hate Asian people. That is like that. I'm, I'm missing that one, right? And so as Christians, we're supposed to say, that's wrong. Like, that's, that's sin. Like, that's, that's a problem, right? Like, that's, no. Like, no, that's weird, and stop it. Our, amen. Uh, yeah, like, I get that. But that's not going to get you saved. Stopping Asian hate isn't going to get anybody saved. But we need to do it. But that is not the power of God for salvation. That's what people who've experienced the power of God for salvation are supposed to be doing. Do you hear what I'm saying? The gospel saves people. Telling people about Jesus saves people. Let me get my band to come up here, if you would. I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up here. I'm going to bring it in for a landing. And so, so as we discover purpose, as we're looking for purpose, as we're looking you know, what, what, what is my purpose for 2022? What, what, what are, and, and the Lord, and, and the Lord, what he's going to do in your life. See, I believe in blessed subtraction. I believe in blessed subtraction. Sometimes you lose friends and it's blessed subtraction, right? Sometimes you have disciples who will not listen to you and they suck all the life out of you. And the Lord's like, it's just time to move on. Blessed subtraction. Some married folks, sometimes there's some friends who ain't healthy for your marriage. Blessed subtraction. Single ladies, there's some dudes in your life who have no intentions of marrying you, and the Lord wants you to move on. Blessed subtraction. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Make some room for some righteous people. There you go. Blessed subtraction. I believe in blessed subtraction. And so, so, so the Lord... Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm looking to God for some great vision because I'm a visionary. I like big things. I want crusades. I want us to move into new countries for missions, church planting. I want to do all that good stuff. And so I'm asking the Lord, can you give me some vision? 2022, give me some vision, Lord. Let me tell you what, yeah, yeah, come on, amen. I'm asking for big vision. You know what the Lord told me? share with you. He's told me two things. I'll share them both with you today. First one, he told me, I can't tell you how many times and how many ways. He said, teach the Bible. I'm like, Lord, I want to, I want to, I want to, he said, teach the Bible. But I want to, I want to, teach the Bible. The Bible. He said, teach the Bible. Like, I don't get that, God. Like, I want, I want, I want, he's like, and now I understand you're not built on the rock, none of it's going to last anyways. So that's all he told me for months. Like he told me that so clearly. He said it to me as clearly as we're talking right now. And I was like, well, I guess I'll start teaching the Luke message series. I'll just go through. Because when you teach a message series, generally it's a small book. Luke, right? Luke, 24 chapters. You could spend three years. He said, teach the Bible, teach the Bible, teach the Bible. All right, well, okay. I've been praying to God. I'm like, God, vision, teach the Bible. God, vision, teach the Bible. I was in prayer with God, I don't know, a week ago. 
I have it in my journal, of course. I'm like, Lord, 2022, I just, I need, I need, like, I'm really believing that you're going to speak something fresh to me. I want you all to hear this. I want you to speak something fresh to me. I'm teaching the Bible. I'm teaching the Bible. My wife would say, and I'd be like, man, I want to go whatever. She's like, what God say? Teach the Bible. All right, I'm going to teach the Bible. Like, she's, keep, like, she's holding me accountable to this word, right? Pastors I'm talking to, this is what the Lord is telling me. Teach the Bible. They're like, I believe that's what he's telling you. I'm like, I want to talk about prophecy. I want to talk about visions. I want to talk about healing. I want to talk about miracles. He's like, it's in the Bible. When you get there, talk about it. Okay. Teach the Bible. And so I've been praying. I'm like, Lord, what, 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 what? I feel like you're going to say something else to me. I want to lean into it. What, 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 what? And I tell you as, as clearly as we're talking right now, he said this. Preach the gospel. Teach the Bible, preach the gospel. Blessed subtraction. The church gets so distracted. Like we want to be a orphan care society. We want to clean streets and hand out water at a triathlon and and I believe in all that, do all that stuff, but not if you're not teaching the Bible and preaching the gospel. <laughs> if that is starting to crowd out the purpose that Jesus came, what are you doing? What are you doing? And let me ask you this. If you're not doing what you were created for, what are you doing? If you've somehow bought into the American dream that happiness is going to come a certain number in a bank account or a certain size house or if you figured out how God's going to fund your ministry and you're wasting your life God is a God of the impossible God is a God of the impossible Tracy and I are praying for so many people in their breakthrough and we've begun to see them we've begun to see miraculous we've begun to see them We've gotten two testimonies of miraculous home purchases. I had a word about people buying houses a couple weeks ago, and we've seen people like, it's a miracle. I don't know how it happened out of nowhere. We bought a house. Like, the word of the Lord is being released. Amen. But we're praying. We're praying for so many people who are stuck because they think they figured out the how. And God's not telling the how. He's just telling the what. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation. Let me start with this right here. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just, just, just right now. This, this, this is the gospel. The gospel is that you were created by a very good and loving God who has good things for your life. You're not here by accident. You weren't a surprise when you showed up at the hospital that day. God knew you were coming. And he had a purpose for your life. Sin separated you from that purpose. So he sent his son to die on a cross to make all that right. Now, he didn't leave his son dead. He rose him from the dead so that you wouldn't have a dead faith, but a living faith. And then he sent his spirit to live on the inside of you. Those of you who consider yourselves sons of God. And I don't want to call anybody out. I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. I don't want to make anybody singled out. But I want to give you an opportunity today to receive that gift of salvation. 
Now, some of y'all have really messed up your lives. Let me rephrase that. Some of us have really messed up our lives. But God, but God, but God, but God, by his mercy said, listen, I, that, I want you. Because I, I, I do amazing things with broken stuff. And so he's sending these broken men out to talk to broken people about a broken world. Letting them know the answer is that Jesus Christ comes and he is a champion of the poor. He's a champion of the broken. He's a champion of the hurting. He's a champion of those who are on the bottom. And so today, in the house of God, you get to receive him and receive the blessing like these people who are going to receive a blessing for receiving the words of the apostles. And here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now between you and God. I just feel in my spirit that this is necessary. And I'm not going to have anybody do anything. Don't get nervous. But some of you are getting nervous. That's because the Holy Ghost of God is knocking on your heart at this very moment. I feel it so strongly. There's a new beginning for you today. Maybe you're just stuck in sin. Maybe you're stuck on stupid. Maybe life is just stuck. And the Lord wants to set you free today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to just, ha, huh. turn up the music if you would, Brandon. I want people to not be heard. I want you to say, Jesus, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I want everybody in the room to say it. Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to start being a disciple today. For those of you who are praying this, I just, for the first time, I just declare in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, His presence be upon you. Let your heart be converted. Let you receive Him in and be strangely warmed by the presence of His Spirit. Stand with me, let's close. I want to go back to the beginning of this verse and then we'll close. We're going to sing. Look at this. Chapter 10, verse 1. The Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs. That word sent there is apostolo. It's where we get the word apostle. We don't translate apostle. We use the Greek word. Some people are like, ah, there was only 12 apostles. We got 70 right here. And Matthew had 72. I believe 72 is the, right, the correct translation, but it's irrelevant. So we know we got at least 72 here. Sent ones. And I'm here to tell you today that there's some sent ones in the room right now. That the Lord is coming upon you right now because you are a sent one. And watch this. He sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place he himself was going to come. John the Baptist said, hey, I'm here preaching to make straight the way of the Lord. Because Jesus is coming after me. I'm telling you. 
when you receive Jesus Christ and you get the message, watch this, when you get the message of what he's done for you, we get it complicated, we get all philosophical, we get all Bible educated, and we forget what he did for us. What did he do for you? When you remember what he did for you and you go and you tell that story, you are declaring where Jesus is about to show up. Come on. You are declaring where Jesus is about to show up. And he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Listen, listen, there is a world who needs to know that God is not mad at them. He sent his son to have a relationship with them. And that he wants to set them free from their anxiety and their depression and their languishing and give them purpose. And I need you to hear this. God won't do it without you and you can't do it without him. God won't do it without you and he can't do it without him. And so we need to seek the Lord of the harvest in our quiet time. And we need to pray for those that Jesus Christ would have us witness to. So that the Father himself can visit them and convert them. But first, we need to get the gospel deep down on the inside of us. The good news that the kingdom of God is here. Can you say amen? Come on, let's sing together. There is power in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's declare it. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. In the name. There is power in the name of Jesus. Come on, I, I just, in the name of Jesus, I just declare a power right now. You keep playing. I, there is a power to break chains in your life. I feel like someone's going to have depression broken off their life right now. Confusion broken off your life. Just close your eyes and begin to say the name Jesus. Just begin to say the name Jesus. Close your eyes and say the name Jesus. And you'll feel these chains being broken. Chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus.
like the Lord's been anointing you for the harvest. He's going to anoint you for the harvest. Here we go. Here we go. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would anoint them and you would make it convinced in their heart that they have a purpose inside of Jesus Christ. That is to bring the freedom that they have experienced and bring it to the world. To bring that experience to the world. To make way to preach every place that Jesus is going to come. Shake, Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. There is power coming upon your life right now. And I declare freedom over your life right now. Sing one more time in this day. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Wow, we thank you for some of you need to just come up and get hands laid on you, either for empowerment or for freedom. And I don't want you to wait, I want you to just come forward, and, and then the Lord is going to set some people free. But Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for today. We thank you for today, Lord. Keep playing. I just feel like somebody, God is calling somebody right now. Your chest is burning. The fire of God is upon your heart right now. The fire is landing upon your chest and your shoulders. I feel it. It's burning. I'm receiving it from me. I'm getting all of yours. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for these people. We pray that your anointing would fall. And that people would hear the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. 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 Can you give a clap offering to the Lord? Listen, if you want prayer, we're going to be right here. Someone's going to lay hands on you. And uh, if not, we'd love to speak to you. My wife and I will be in the lobby. We'd like to say hi. Give it up for our worship team one more time if you would. Bless you. Have an amazing week.